Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, welcome to Good Friday at all of our sites. I'm so happy and I'm so excited that you've chosen to join us. There's a lot of places that you could be this morning, but you've chosen to come to church and we're so glad that, that you came to join us. You know, I have a real sense today and I have a real sense of anticipation today that today is going to be a significant day for a lot of us as we gather on Good Friday. Have you ever had a brush with celebrity? You know, I, I'm talking, I'm talking uh, you know, about a singer, an athlete, a politician, some, uh, someone like that. W one of my early memories as a boy growing up in Northern Ireland was that there was a celebrity coming to town to make a guest appearance, and I managed to convince my parents that I should go and see and meet this great celebrity. So, so I distinctly re remember my mom, you know, make me dress up in my Sunday best, right? Because I was going to meet a celebrity. Uh, you know, in case maybe someone took my photograph, or maybe I got on TV, or God forbid I had to go to the hospital, right? So I dressed up in my Sunday best, and uh, the first thing I remember about getting to the venue was there were hundreds of people. It kind of surprised me. All of these other people wanted to go and do the same thing that I was doing, and so I remember there being this huge crowd there. Well, I was younger and I was smaller, so I kind of wormed my way through the crowd and I kind of wiggled, you know, through until I got to, to this barrier or sort of at the front of the crowd and this barrier didn't allow me to go any further. And so I placed myself and I positioned myself there. Well, you know, people were just talking amongst themselves and, you know, people were having a good time in general. And, and then this murmur began to rise in the crowd. And then this, you know, the, the atmosphere kind of changed. And people started getting excited and anticipating. Then people started shouting out and people started yelling out the name of the celebrity. And, and it was because there was this vehicle that everyone saw. And everyone knew that that was the celebrity's vehicle. And they were coming, you know, there. And so this vehicle pulls up in front of the venue. And the door opens and the celebrity briskly walked from the vehicle into the venue and was gone. And I was like, was that even them? <laughs> like, I, I couldn't really tell. I, I couldn't get close enough. I saw them for five seconds at like 100 meters away, and, and I was like, was, was that even them? I, I didn't have access to this celebrity. I want you to keep that image and maybe even some of those emotions in your mind as we look at the Bible today and think about Good Friday. Why, why is it called Good Friday? I don't know if you've wondered that. I, I certainly did. And so I went to the source of all knowledge this week, Google. And I asked Google, why is it called Good Friday? And there was so much information that came back. And really to kind of summarize it, there are a number of people who put forth arguments based on language. They say, you know, it's, it's a linguistics kind of thing. There's evolution down through the years, and so that's why it's called Good Friday. There are others who, you know, just point to historical situations and circumstances and say, no, those are the reasons why it ended up becoming Good Friday. And then, of course, there are tons of religious reasons why this thing is called Good Friday, but in short... There's not just one reason why it's called Good Friday. There's all kinds of theories and reasons. Today, I'd like us to look at just two very short verses in the traditional biblical account 
of Good Friday. Jesus is on the cross already. In fact, this is the closing scene of Jesus on the cross. And in Mark chapter 15 and verses 37 and 38, it says this. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Last Sunday, Pastor John did an amazing job helping us understand the Old Testament teaching on the Day of Atonement. And he explained for us who are here that, that Jesus has become our Day of Atonement. And I love how he, he used this Old Testament reference and pointed out in the life of Jesus how Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. And, and John said to us that, you know, Jesus has become our high priest. He has become our sacrifice. He has become our scapegoat. He has become our incense. And he has become our curtain or veil. And if you weren't here last week, I would really urge you, strongly encourage you to go online and to listen. But this last reference that John made last week about Jesus being our curtain or our veil intrigued me. And so that's where I want to camp today. And by understanding more in depth what the temple veil or the temple curtain was all about and why it was actually instituted by God into the Jewish worship system, I believe that Good Friday can become even more significant to many of you than it already is. Now, Pastor John mentioned it last week as we turn to this veil or to this curtain. He talked about the measurements of it and how massive this curtain was. This curtain was there because what it had to do was hide and cut off the presence of God found in what was called the most holy place, the holy of holies, because God who is so holy is there and man who is so sinful cannot go in there. And he, he talked about this, this barricade, this curtain that was there to cut off the presence of God from people. And he gave the dimensions of it, and, and a lot of you are kind of like, oh, dimensions, I, you know, I don't understand dimensions, really. Let me help you a little bit. First of all, it says that this curtain, the width of the curtain was 30 feet, or 9 meters, or 10 yards. Lucky for you, I'm a golfer. I know what 10 yards looks like. Here's what 10 yards looks like. You ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's 10 yards. That's 30 feet. That's how wide this curtain is in the temple. And the scripture tells us that the veil is twice as tall. It is 60 feet or 18 meters tall. It won't fit in any of our auditoriums. It is too big to fit in any of our auditoriums here at C4. But not only that, it tells us also that the width of this thing, the thickness of this thing, is the thickness of a man's hand. Now, I don't have the biggest of hands, but that's four inches or 10 centimeters thick. If you uh, are lucky enough to have maybe a finely woven Persian or Indian rug at home, typically a very thick one would be about a quarter of an inch, maybe at the very most, if you've got a really thick one, a half inch. This curtain is like, 16 times thicker than that. It's this thick, friends. So 30 feet by 60 feet won't fit here, and this thick tells us, historians tell us that it took 300 men just to carry it. So the obvious question, right? Why? Why so big? Why so thick? Why so massive? 
Why so predominant? Why so commanding? Well, that's what I want to help you understand today. Why God made and designed it to be that large. And when I think we understand that, I believe that many of us will appreciate Good Friday even more. Here's the first thing that I want to say. The temple veil was a warning. It was designed to be a warning. The veil or curtain was not only huge, but it had tapestries on it. Most notably, it was designed with embroidered cherubim on it. Now, I know that you have been exposed to art, and so when I say cherubim, you're thinking, oh, chubby little naked babies. No, that's not what cherubim are. Cherubim in Scripture are angelic beings who are the warriors for God. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24, it says this, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way back to the tree of life. Adam and Eve, our first parents, disobeyed God, bringing sin into our world and weaving sin into the DNA of the human family. And because God is perfect holiness and cannot be exposed to, cannot touch, cannot stand sin, there had to be a separation between us and God. Otherwise, he would have to destroy us. So the veil or the curtain in the temple is this massive warning to people, don't come in here. Do not enter here because if you enter into this place and you don't come in a worthy manner, you're going to be destroyed. And so that's why God made and designed this temple, or sorry, this veil to be so huge. Second, the temple veil was a wall. The sheer size and mass of the curtain was formidable. This wasn't some like wedding veil. I remember when Jen and I got married. I was standing down at the front of the church, the church kind of like this, and she walked in through the middle back doors on her dad's arm, and as she began to walk down, I saw that she had a veil on. I could still tell that it was her because I could see through the veil. And we got, she got down to the front, and we turned, and we faced our pastor, and we exchanged vows with one another before God and before our friends and family. And at the end of our vows, the pastor said to me, okay, Dave, you may now kiss your bride. And so with just my finger and my thumb, I just grabbed the bottom of Jen's veil and gently lifted it up over her head and kissed her. This temple veil is not that kind of a veil. <laughs> this thing it was designed to be a wall. This massive curtain was meant to be like a fortress wall. God wanted to make sure that anyone seeking to come beyond the veil was actually intending to come beyond the veil because the consequences were dire of going beyond the veil if you didn't do it properly. He didn't want someone stumbling or falling through the veil. To go behind the curtain was no accident because there was so much at stake behind the curtain. In Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 2, it says this. 
The Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain or else he will die. You see, that's why the temple veil had to be a wall, friends. Only the high priest on only one day a year, wearing only the right clothes, having performed the right rituals, could venture behind the curtain and live to talk about it. But also the temple veil provided the way to forgiveness. As Pastor John pointed out last week, the day of, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would follow the proper worship protocol and go behind the veil to seek God's forgiveness for the sins of the people. In Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 15, it says this, He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offerings for the people and take its blood behind the curtain. See, the only way that the people could be forgiven, the only way that the people could be cleansed for the sins that they had committed that year was through a sacrifice being made. God's offended holiness had to be taken care of. And that could only be done by someone or something paying for the sins of the people, standing in place of the people and giving its life on behalf of the people so that God poured out his wrath on that thing or that person or that animal and not on the people. And only then could the priest go behind the curtain. So why is Good Friday so good? Mark 15 again, 37 to 38. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil, the curtain that stood as a wall, a warning, and the passageway that only the high priest could go through once a year has been ripped wide open from top to bottom. That's what happened on Good Friday, friends. We don't have to wait to Easter Sunday, to Resurrection Sunday, to get access to God. You and I can have all access to God because of what Jesus did on Good Friday. And this was not some human that ripped this massive, massive curtain in two. It was the hand of God that ripped the curtain in two. See, it's so good. This is so good. See, what we have to remember on Good Friday is this. The ripped temple veil was not to let God out, but to let us in. (laughs) Right? It was not to let God out, but to let us in. See, that's what's so amazing. That's what's so incredible, so uh, absolutely great news, so unbelievable about Good Friday. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. The writer of Hebrews wanted the Jewish people to understand the good news of Jesus. And so the book of Hebrews was written to transition them from the Old Testament way of doing things into the New Testament way of doing things. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22, it says this in part. And look at the Old Testament, listen to the Old Testament imagery and think about what's going on on the cross. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence... To enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up to us through the curtain that is his body, let us draw near to God. 
See, Jesus is this new and living way. Jesus has once and for all time fulfilled the requirements of the law of the Old Testament and become the sacrifice for all who would put their hope and their trust in him. That's what Jesus did on the cross, friends. And the ripped temple curtain lets us know that now we have all access to God. The God who was, we were shut out from for so, so long, we now have full access to him. You know, someone said to Jesus, how do we know this way? And in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Good Friday is so good because through Jesus, we come into the presence of the living, holy, all-consuming God, and we are not undone. If you have not known this great news before today, you know, now you do. You know, the God that you always thought was mad at you, he's not. The God that you always thought was angry with you, he's not. He ripped open the veil so that you could get to him. That's the good news of Friday. And that's why what Jesus did is so incredible and so revolutionary and so life-changing for us today. And if you're already a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can revel, you can celebrate, you can rejoice in what he has done for us. Oh, how great is his love for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for Good Friday. <laughs> the cross, so scary, so horrific at times. And, and you know, it fills, it fills many of us with guilt and with shame. But it was love that put you on the cross. Your great love for us. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us complete access to the Father through yourself, the new and living way. We celebrate that today. We rejoice in that today. And we give you great thanks today in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're going to take communion today. And so um, I want to give some instruction uh, before we, we take communion. The first piece of instruction is this. If you know and love the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're welcome to the table. Whether you're doing okay, whether you're not doing okay, you know, whether you're just sort of doing normal life, um, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome to participate in communion today. If you are a Christ follower and you are willfully living in disobedience against God, if there's something between you and Jesus and you're digging your heels in and you're saying to the Lord of heaven and earth, you're wrong and I'm right, think about it. Then don't take communion until you get that worked out. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, first of all, thank you so much for being here today. So glad that you came. We would ask you not to participate too because you don't know the one that we actually meet during communion. And so uh, we would just ask you, you know, not to participate. So we're going to respond by taking communion together and it's going to be passed to you today. And when you take the small 
cup of juice. I want you to remember Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary for you. And I want you to remember his shed blood. And when you remember his shed blood and when you think about his shed blood, you think Old Testament sacrifice, day of atonement. That a lamb had to be slaughtered for the forgiveness of sins and that Jesus is called by his fresh best friend John, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You remember Jesus when you take the cup. And when you get the wafer and you hold that wafer, I want you to remember Jesus' body crushed and broken for you. And and when you hold that wafer and you think about the broken body of Jesus, I want you, you know, to remember the torn veil because that's what his body represents. And because of his shed blood and because of the torn veil, you and I have complete and full access to God the Father. This reminds you that you're forgiven, friends. This reminds you that you have all access This reminds you that you have been invited. This reminds you, friends, that you are welcome. This reminds you that you belong at the table of Jesus. And this reminds you that you are deeply, deeply loved. So, Lord, we thank you for these reminders of your shed blood and your broken body. Today we receive them with thanksgiving because of what you have done on the cross of Calvary and we celebrate and we rejoice in who you are and what you've done in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.